When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget. Guaranteed to be hot and crispy. Or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut skin on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Try them today. Only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's. Taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget. Guaranteed to be hot and crispy. Or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut skin on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Try them today. Only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's. Taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. Is Ryan Keith? He's obviously going to make his appearance for the betting show. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? Uh, betting is closer, near, and dear to my heart than the brownies, but let's do it, dude. I I've, I did terrible last week. I I did I went two and one in college, and then what did I go? I went one and three, one and two in the NFL. It was rough. It was a rough week for me. I don't want to tell you about the stuff I did that we didn't talk about on the podcast, trying to make make up the difference because it was just grasping at straws. And I, I feel I have a bad feeling about this week too because I bet on Louisiana Lafayette last night. I thought, why not? Why not bet on the best team in Louisiana? Let's do this. Well, that's a bold statement. Does anyone unless you know that you're going to say that? I'll, dude, I'll fucking say it all goddamn day. I just dropped an F-bomb on the podcast. You know how I feel. That's how passionate I am about Louisiana Lafayette is the best college football team in Louisiana. And they also beat the number one team in the Big 12 in Iowa State. Now, with that said, Coastal Carolina beat them outright. But I thought it was a lot. I was thought it was a lot, dude. You must have been in Jamar Chase's ear, and that's why he fucking uh, opted out for this season right dude, away. I swear, LSU, LSU is a goddamn dumpster fire, and I love it. I I love it. Like <laughs> I I like I like Coach O. I, I I really do like Coach O. I think he was screwed at Ole Miss. I think he was screwed at USC. I think he's a good coach at LSU. But it is kind of funny to see like to see them fucking just collapse so bad. They're so so bad. But we'll get into that a little bit. I don't know if you've noticed where I'm going to try to put this on uh, YouTube later, but uh, I cut my finger basically in half. We, as you know, we've recently moved and Justine decided to put like, she's got like this weird guillotine thing that cuts vegetables. That's necessary for the kitchen. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's got a real name to it, but it's like, like a, a slap top. Like, where do you see my nuts type thing? It's like a, it's like a, a Mandalorian or a mandolin or something like that. Mandolin. Yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> musical instrument. I shows I about so the kitchen and music. Dude. Dude, I thought so too. But so I put my hand in the bottom of the box to try to unpack. Well, she just got all the knives and the needles poking up, dude. So I just cut my hand. I was done. I was done unpacking for the night. She got mad at me. I got mad at her. Dude, who packs like that? Who packs like that, dude? Dude, I was upset. I was with blood everywhere. But you that's my life. What's in the box? <laughs> dude, I can't. I can't. I wish you could have seen how upset I was. Like. I was, I think I was saying some sexist stuff too. Like, this is why women don't pack. You know, you, you just don't, <laughs> you can't put a woman in charge of stuff. I was like, cut to the core, bro. I was really upset. But, anyways, let's, let's, let's move on. We'll stop talking about my personal life and my big move to Zanesville, Ohio. Um, to review what I did in college. Dare, would you dare to say that your girlfriend's box is dangerous? <laughs> I would. I would. But I, she, as you know, she's the one that made me move out to the middle of butt fuck. Zanesville, but it's actually, I'll never tell her to her face, but it's actually not that bad. The apartment is pretty large. There's a bunch of stray cats I feed now. I named one Calzone. So you're taking the pepperonis off your Totino's pizza and feeding it to the stray cats? That says that's a lot right. of you. That's, that's mighty big of you. That's right. That's right. But mo- moving on, let's talk about my week in college football. I went two and one. I had a pretty solid week in college. Um, as you know, I had money on Texas A&M getting seven points from Florida. Texas A&M beat them outright. Yep. I talked about on the show last week, Florida, they're just absolute frauds, dude. They're just not good. They're not a good team. Uh, the second game I bet on, 
North Carolina getting Florida still ranked higher than Texas A&M in the polls. Dude, oh my God! Explain <laughs> that to me. Explain that to me. Explain that to me. I would I should, love to say I SEC say, bias, but dude, I, dude, I, I, do, I don't understand it. And again, I, I'm, I don't want to say Florida's terrible, but we talked about how they were overrated last week. Now they've lost. To, uh, Florida's two and one. Texas A&M's two and one. Florida's ranked ten. Texas A&M's ranked eleven. What? Yeah, what? I, Oh. Dude, the, the AP polls are just bullshit, dude. They did the same thing a couple weeks ago when TCU beat Texas. Texas was still ranked higher than TCU. A, a good question. When does the uh, the updated polls come out with the, the staggered season like this? Dude, I don't know, man. Because usually I, it's, what, week eight, right? I, I guess. I don't know. I, I Honestly, I try not to pay attention because it just angers me. It's just, The poll, whole poll process, the whole bowl process, do you remember a couple years ago when Florida won nine games? It was Garner Minshew's senior season, the Mike Leach, Mike Leach offense. Washington State won 10 games. Florida won nine games. Two of Florida's wins, two of them, were against non-FBS opponents. They were against yep. Division AA teams. Washington State had 10 wins, so technically they had two more wins. No, three more wins against schools that were actually in the same division, and then Florida got the New Year's Six Bowl, and Washington State played like in the Outback Bowl or some shit like that. Yeah. Just, I, I just The whole poll polling process is BS. But whatever, I made money off of it this time. I took Texas A&M. They actually won outright. I also took North Carolina to give them five points to Virginia Tech. North Carolina handled them pretty well, 56-45. to Virginia Tech, again, played another game with all five of their starting defense backs out due to COVID. So I feel like that played right into my hand. The only game I did lost is I bet on Alabama giving 24 points to Mississippi. Mississippi gave them a run for their money, dude. I underestimated the Mississippi offense because their defense is so bad, but that Mississippi – State offense can scoop. And I don't think it's all Lane Kiffin, dude. I think it's Jeff Levy, the new officer coordinator who was the officer coordinator at UCF. Yes. In the last couple years, you can see a lot of that UCF offense when you remember McKenzie Milton running around and uh, when, you know, Traquan Smith and all those guys were b- bouncing up and down the field. You see a lot of that and what we've got going on here. And they're, they're, that offense can scoop, brother. That, that the game felt really personal. I mean, obviously, there's some undertones with Lane Kiffin and Nick Saban or whatever, but it felt really personal, and then it got to crunch time in the fourth quarter, and I feel like the, the ball went Bama's way a couple times, and then it just opened the floodgates. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so they I spread up, what, what was the – was it 28, 27? The, the score? No, the spread. Oh, the, the spread was 20 uh, – Alabama was favored by 24 points, and then Alabama ended up winning 63 to 48. It was like a arena football game. Yeah. So, uh, so my I got three best bets for college. Obviously, as everybody was listening, I already lost the Louisiana game last night, but that was not a best bet. It wasn't going to be a best bet. So my first best bet: BYU giving three and a half points to Houston at Houston on Friday night. Uh, everybody knows how I love betting on BYU. BYU hasn't let me down this year. BYU is coming off of a struggle bus game against University of Texas San Antonio, the Roadrunners, where they barely won twenty-seven to twenty. That's not exactly a powerhouse. So I'm hoping that BYU uses that as motivation to be have a much cleaner game against Houston. Houston did beat Tulane 49-31 to 31 last week. But as you know, on this very show, I talked about how I put money on Houston, and Houston covered for me. But let me tell you who was sweating their balls off during that game. It was this guy because Tulane was winning 24-7 against Houston last week. Houston gave up two fumble – no, was it two interceptions? They gave up two defensive touchdowns in the first five minutes of that game last week. I, I was, I, I was cursing, cursing Daniel Holgerson's name. They end up coming back, beating the spread, all that good stuff, but it was not a good showing. Okay, so I, I'm kind of counting that as a loss in my head, as far as Houston goes. I mean, again, they were losing twenty four seven. BYU doesn't seem they seem to be rocking and rolling this season, uh, led by their starting quarterback Zach Wilson. So that's who I'm, that's who I'm scooting with Friday for my first best bet. What do you think? I, I mean, I didn't watch either of those two teams last week. I don't think I've watched them year to date. So, I mean, I trust your judgment on it. No, no you watched BYU. We talked about BYU earlier this year when BYU was playing. The, the very first game I put money on it, we talked about the game. Oh, uh, I mean, the, uh, the, the, the triple option team. was It, it was Navy. It was, they, they it was Navy, Navy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the, and the only thing I remember discussing about that was taking the under with the, uh, the cadet schools and stuff like that. But – I mean, they seem to be doing all right thus far. So, I mean, it's all about finding your teams and riding them all the way to the end, and you seem to be doing that. 
Yeah, BYU's 4-0. Houston sits at 1-0. Their last game was last week. So a lot of people are leaning. I, I'm hearing a lot of uh, professional sharps taking Houston because they believe that, first of all, Houston's at home. Second of all, Houston should be sharper because it's their second game. But, dude, they look really, really sloppy. And I'm not so sure Dana Holgerson is that good of a coach. His track record isn't as pristine as people used to think it was. Uh, my second best bet, I'm taking Georgia Southern, given 29 points. Georgia Southern sits at home against Massachusetts. Georgia Southern currently sits at 2-1. and one. Massachusetts has not played yet. Massachusetts has one game on their 2020 schedule due to COVID. It is right here, right now against Georgia Southern. I'm still taking Georgia Southern because UMass blows. UMass is basically a Valpo-level team. Uh, Georgia Southern beat UL Monroe last week 35-30. to 30. I, I don't think that they're a terrible team. I think that they're kind of sitting there right in the middle. Uh, Trey Wirtz is a, is a pretty good quarterback, runs around. They, they run a pretty – run heavy offense that's going to control the ball, make it hard for Massachusetts to get in a rhythm. You have to imagine it being their first game that they're going to look sloppy, they're going to struggle, and Georgia Southern is going to hammer the ball down their throat, making it hard for them to get in their groove. I think it just kind of snowballs from there. Uh, it also helps to know that UMass was 1-11 last year, so they're not a very good team. What do you think about that? So what do the UMass football team and Josh Keatley have in common? I don't know. That's a good question. You're both Minutemen. Oh, that's that was that was a softball. That's bad. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's what do you say? Twenty nine and a half from Georgia Southern and, and UMass right now. Twenty nine. It's twenty nine, not twenty nine and a half. Like it, like it matters. I don't <laughs> like know if it matters for a one and eleven team. Georgia Southern always seems to churn out some pretty good talent, especially at the halfback position. I haven't looked at anything yet this year. I usually look at them later on when I get close to like combine time. Uh, but they have a they have a propensity to have some talented guys on the roster. So I mean, if, if you're safe, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and if you're if you're safe at twenty nine, twenty nine and a half right now, that's a hot take. Hot take. I'm I'm all about those hot takes, dude. Yeah, they got that quarterback who was one that uh, Trey Word. I think his name is Trey Words. I believe he's the one that tore his ACL and played like half the season last year, uh, and they still were pretty okay. Uh, my third game actually got postponed. There's no going back, though. It's in the notes, so I'm going to roll with it. Um, I'm taking Florida, giving 13 points to LSU. The 1-2 and two LSU Tigers against the 2-1 and one Florida Gators. Um, yeah, I, I, this game got postponed due to Florida having half their team have COVID, so that's a little unfortunate. Um, but, it, I mean, I, I, I wrote it down. I was pretty psyched about it. I actually put money on it Monday. <laughs> so. <laughs> So it is in the, it is in the books. So we'll see what happens. Um, we talked about how Florida was a little bit of a fraud. Well, I, I think that LSU is just absolutely garbage. LSU is terrible. Plus, if anybody watched the Florida Texas A&M game last week, you will see that every time there's a questionable call, it goes to Florida. I'm not. I'm not saying that there. I'm, the college football landscape is full of conspiracies. All I'm saying is that there are human errors, and those errors seem to go towards. Alabama's, the Florida's. Now, usually LSU would be in that same group, but LSU's so bad this year that I think people want, I think that they want Florida to be good and they kind of don't care about LSU at this point because they're so bad. Um, so it seems like the ball is definitely balancing towards Florida this year. So I'm expecting that. The Florida offense is explosive. We know that. We talked about Kyle Trask being a good uh, quarterback. They have a tight end that's very effective. Um, they have a lot of speed, and they throw the ball downfield. They got a good vertical passing game. And LSU allowed 700 yards of offense to Mississippi State. Okay, well, we know Florida's got more talent than Mississippi State. So I, this, I think this could be a bloodbath. So I'm laying the 13 points. It's funny watching LSU. I don't know if we got so spoiled with the record-setting season of Joe Burrow, but, like, their defense I think, seems... I think Coach O did. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> without a doubt. Uh, but it just seems so anemic, and, and I don't Dude, know... they're bad. They're terrible. It, it almost makes Burrow look that much better. You know what I mean? No, no it, shit. It makes Burrow look that much better, especially since, you know, through five weeks of the season, he's he's actually looked like a really good first-year uh -huh. NFL quarterback. So, I mean, you lose Delpit and you don't have Chase. You, you lose Justin Jefferson. Justin good. Jefferson, was Patrick good. Queen. Like they, Quite, lost Quite they, lost, they did lose a ton, but, but they always But do. it's LSU. It's the SEC football, so you would think that they could reload, and it's just like – what where is the where's the gap where's the transition and i don't think anyone can figure it out 
I, I, I didn't write down the stat, and I wish I would have, but Mississippi or LSU had like 50 recruits, 50 scholarship players that were four or five star recruits. Mississippi State has three. <laughs> like, that's that's what you're dealing with, dude. They're just terrible. They're terrible. They're absolutely terrible. Florida's going to light them up, dude. Florida's going to light them up. I was saying that 13 points all day. I Yeah, it's just like Joe Burrow is like this fallen angel that fell into. Orgeron's lap. Now, granted, we're not giving Joe Brady enough credit either. I'm sure. I'm sure Joe Brady did his fair share yeah, of taking that off. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think Ed, I don't think Orgeron's bad, but dude, they ain't good. They're, dude, LSU might win one game this year. They're bad. They're really, really bad. I would say it's probably safe to say that Orgeron's more less of a scheme related coach, but more of a morale and uh, team raw coach. Yeah, raw raw team building. You know, I'm gonna get you to run through a wall for me type coach. Which is super surprising, considering he can't talk. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but let's, let's move on to the NFL. Unless you got anything to add on the college landscape, right? All right, so I, I do have a little fun one. So oh. as it is timely, uh, the news yesterday, good old Nick Saban. Oh, he's got the COVID. Has, has a case of the Ronas, right? And conveniently, you know, their uh, upcoming game is against the Georgia Bulldogs. All right? Mm. So in college sports, we would say the most important – person to the program is typically who the head coach all right and in the nfl it's typically who still the head coach but would you lean towards the quarterback at all as far as betting goes um no because the head coach impacts the whole game the quarterback is only as is only as impactful as the backup. Now, I made fun of Adam Moore a lot on this show because he would ask, who's, the backup? <laughs> who's, who's Duke's backup? And I College is different. All right, so this, this is the point I'm getting at. So when it comes to setting the lines for Vegas, they, they assign a point total to certain players or certain coaches, right? Yes. I think the, the NFL player with the highest point total in the NFL the last 10 years has been Aaron Rodgers, close to a touchdown, six points, something like that. And again, a lot of that is due to his backups being Brett Hundley and Deshaun Kaiser. Right. But yeah. So if you had to guess, what would you say Nick Saban's point total impact being that he is the most prolific college football coach in the last 25 years against a rivalry game against Georgia? I saw someone say three points, and I thought that was ridiculous. I would say a touchdown. I would give him a touchdown. That someone that said three points is far closer to you. Uh, so it opened up, it opened up at six six and a half. In most places, it's four right now. So they're saying Nick Saban is only worth two to two and a half points against the Georgia Bulldogs. Wow. There must right be Bama sitting at, at minus four against Georgia, and I, I anticipated a touchdown difference because as soon as that news broke, very first thing I did was check the line. But I you was have to remember it to not be available. Yeah, that that's this big surprise to me i'm surprised it's still on the books right it doesn't surprise me of the spread changing minimally because georgia's gonna get i mean georgia's gonna get its fair share of betters because georgia's look damn good they've looked they're you know they've got one of the best defenses in college football and it's georgia it's a rivalry game it's at georgia yep so and you know and steve sarkeesian knows his way around a playbook anyway so I, i i it's not like people aren't gonna bet on georgia but i am surprised they haven't taken off the books because we don't know the impact of what's going on if you Nick Saban, I mean, we don't know how bad the COVID situation is. I mean, he's an older guy. If he's in the hospital, that changes the game. There's a lot of variables that can change how this game plays out, and it's kind of blows my mind. That it's still on the books, but that's a game I'm not touching. Oh, I'm just not a game that I was touching, but it, it's just a fun little uh, think about the line fact when it comes to college football and betting in general. And yeah. I'm glad that you answered the way that I thought you would, because otherwise you would have blown up my whole thing here. Well, you thought I would say that Nick Saban, you, you were, there was a chance I was going to say Nick Saban was worth a half a point? Oh, I didn't think there was a snowball's chance in hell. I know you well enough. <laughs> so you thought it would be seven to help. I was maybe even expecting double digits. No, no. Because, I mean, maybe. I don't know. No, I don't, it, it, there's a lot of variables there. You know what I mean? There's a lot of – he's still – it's not like he's not talking to Steve Sarkeesian. It's not like he's in a coma. There's just a lot of variables. It is interesting that you bring up the point thing, uh, the, the point issue – Let's talk about – are you ready to move on to the NFL then? Yeah, let's get it. Okay, so let's talk about before I get into – while we're on the topic of, of the point spread and the value of a player, dude, please help me out because I've completely lost my notes. Dak Prescott has gone down with injury. So now the Red Rockets taking it's over for the cramp. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just a minor cramp. He's going to be out a couple weeks. But Red Rocket has taken over Andy Dalton. So the look ahead line for the Dallas Cowboys Arizona Cardinals game was eight and a half, nine points of places. Okay. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. It, it was, yeah, no, that's right. Is that, well, do, can you pull that up with the look ahead line once? I don't have the look ahead line, but I do see in some places it was at, uh, it opened at uh, minus three. Yes. That makes sense. I'm an idiot. Right. Okay. Because I'm looking at the spread because Dallas is now the underdog. I apologize for sounding like a clumsy oaf there. Dallas is now the underdog. The look ahead line, the Dallas Cowboys were favored by three points. Dak Prescott goes down with injury. Now the Cowboys are home dogs to the Arizona Cardinals by three points. They're saying that Dak Prescott is six points better than Andy Dalton. Because as we said, the player doesn't impact the, the line. It's the backup that impacts the line, right? We talked about the the, mo- the least valuable quarterback in the 90s, according to the spread, was Joe Montana because his backup was Steve Young, yeah. right? Do you really think that Dalton is that much worse than Dak Prescott? I uh, He's the best backup in football, hands, oh, down, yeah. hands down, based off of the roster construction for the 32 teams right now. And in the short period of time that he's in there, I think he was averaging like 11 yards a clip. Uh, I that line movement kind of is shocking to me, and that is one of the games that I highlighted to pick out on this one. Well, I'm I mean, glad you did. And, and to just to think, like you have a your your quarterback is having a prolific first five games of the season, four or five hundred yards games, crushing yards. Granted, it's all in comeback victories, but Dak Prescott made every case to go out there and earn forty million dollars a year, and that's the the tragedy about this. He's he turned down all that money, and hopefully, he gets paid somewhere, but. He will. But to say that, like, Andy Dalton, who has draft pedigree, has draft stock, was, was a, good. That, was a starter a starter for nine years, eight for, years. For a while. He was not. He and was and not to think he can't come in that. there and throw to Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, and turn around and hand the ball off to Ezekiel Elliott. Now, the offensive line is what they really need to pay more attention to because – Tyron Smith has been announced been announced for being out for this year. Their their offensive line is beat up, and their yeah. their defense is a sieve. The issue is not the quarterback play. I don't think you're going to see a monumental drop off going from Dak to Andy Dalton. Well, and you have to remember too, Dak played great. I'm not taking anything away, but we named off all those stats. Those are all great. But dude, the Cowboys have been getting their ass whooped. I mean, let's use the the the. The Browns game, for an example, the Browns were up on multiple scores and then basically left their foot off the gas, and then that's when Dak Prescott got all of his yards. Do you know what I mean? And that's kind of been the theme of their gameplay. So I'm not taking anything away from Dak Prescott. He's looked great, but to act like Andy Dalton can't throw for 6 million yards in garbage time, come on. Come on. That's ridiculous. But that's actually, that's surprisingly not one of my best bets. But let me do a quick review of last week. Uh, I went 1-2 and two last week. I took Atlanta. Given Or no, I took Carolina. No, no, I took Atlanta giving two and a half to Carolina, and Atlanta just – they just sucked. But there's some solace in there because they fired everybody associated with the franchise, so I do feel a little better about my life. Uh, then I took the Kansas City Chiefs. Huh? They did it for you. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that to me, it's not a win, but it's at least equal because everybody lost their job. So the, I t- then took the Kansas City Chiefs giving 13 points to the Las Vegas Raiders. They lost outright. I wouldn't – you know, I don't, I don't regret anything. I don't, I don't regret that bet, dude. How was I supposed to know that the Raiders were going to finally throw down the field? How was I supposed to know that? No one knew that. Not even the Chiefs. I don't think the Raiders knew that, dude. So that, that, I don't was, that was a shocking game. That was an extremely shocking game, and I think it was a reality check for the Chiefs, and I'm glad it happened now rather than later. Mahomes outscored in his four games against the Chiefs in his career. He's outscored the, Vegas, the Raiders 35-17. to 17. And if you take out the one game where they scored 21 points, the average before that in the other three games was like seven points. He's 4-0 against the Raiders. He lost outright. I don't think anybody saw this coming. The Raiders completely changed the way that they ran their offense, and there's no regrets on my end. I would still take the Chiefs nine times out of ten. The game I did win, though, is I did take the Houston Texans, given six to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We talked about how the market overvalues Jacksonville because their offense is exciting, just like we talked about that with Arizona. I'm probably going to jump back in that well again. Uh, The Texans aren't a bad team. 
They just, you know, they've they have some serious issues. We talked about how Deshaun Watson kind of folds, and he didn't look great this game either, by the way. Uh, but Romeo Cornell was a little bit more aggressive than Bill O'Brien, um, and obviously, I think it was a, just a fresh start for the entire team. So I think that that made them win. But uh, I was not satisfied with my weekend. How did your weekend go? I went great as far as my head-to-head matchups. The only game I I, I did get one game wrong. Um, the Chiefs killed my five-team parlay. Um, I was all over the Steelers again. They ended up winning by nine. It looked a little sketchy. Dude, in a looked a little sweating. sketchy in a shootout. Um, and then my bold take on the Browns winning out right on the money line. Yeah. And out beautifully. Yeah. Um, I was all in on that. And then um, – <laughs> I told you uh, offline is I got a little bored and I got a little drunk with the Chargers Saints. Um, and after doing so well this past weekend, I was doing some live betting. And with the Chargers in possession of the ball and up seven with like six and a half minutes left, I took the Chargers plus two and a half. And oh of course, God. we all know that uh, the money badger, as Michael Badgley so dubbed himself. <laughs> doinked a game-winning 50-yard field goal uh, at the end of regulation to send the game in the overtime, and that cost me a pretty penny. But it was uh, – that that wasn't one that I put on the ledger as far as an official bet, but that was me just, you know, a couple too many drink and a, and a, a board Monday night. It was a hell of a game to watch, though, and that's the reason why I've, I've picked out a couple games uh, thus far this week. Well, one of us had a good – Week one of us had a bad week. Hopefully, I'm in for another. Hopefully, I can bounce back. We kind of saw it coming. I was bragging. Everybody knew that I haven't had a losing week yet, and it was week six, so I kind of deserve it. But my my best bet number one is the Detroit Lions giving three and a half points to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Detroit Lions currently sit at one and three. The Jacksonville Jaguars are one and four. We've talked about the Jacksonville Jaguars and how they're overvalued by the market. I still think that that's true. But here's the deal: the Detroit Lions are coming off of a bye. Their last loss was to the New Orleans Saints, who are very good, and they only lost by it was thirty-five to twenty-nine. Yes, they lost by six points. The value on this game, I kind of missed out. The the line opened up at two and a half. It's up to three and a half. But again, I think that the Lions can can beat that spread. I would have loved to get that two and a half, though, get it off that key number. But it is what it is. Uh, the Jaguars just aren't good. They're not good. The offense is the offense is explosive but inconsistent. Um, and they they're they're not their special teams is good. Stephen Hauschka missed two field goals, two easy layup field goals, and then they had two fumbles in the red zone, including the James Was it, were they in the red zone? I know that they lost. I know that they had at least two fumbles that they lost because one was James Robinson where they had him at uh, wildcat quarterback. And it was just, it was just ugly. They're inconsistent. They're sloppy. The Lions are coming off of the bye. The Lions aren't bad. I think that they got they're They, they're just in weird situations and the coaching isn't great, but again, I'm going with the Lions here. That's a, I think that's an easy game to bet. I, I don't think there's any hesitation with that. Um, oh, there's a, there, everything that you pointed out is a lot of reasons why I picked the games that I do. I think that everyone suspected the Jaguars to be so bad. And when they came out and beat the Titans, who are, uh-huh. uh, or yeah, the Titans week one, it, it kind of like, or the Colts, sorry, the, Colts. Thank you. the Titans are still undefeated. They came out and beat the Colts week one. It, I think we all kind of got a little bit of hangover, like, oh, maybe they're not as bad as what we thought they are. They can be competitive. And then week two, the same thing. They're one possession away from being two and oh. So, yeah, here we're seeing in, in week six, and I think that a little bit of that hangover is kind of like, well, is there some Minshew magic? And that's yeah. kind of – that's adding a point or two to every line. Um, if, if any quarterback's ever been magical in the NFL, Matthew Stafford, I mean, he's got yeah. some of the most crazy fourth quarters you've ever seen of anyone. So I think that'll be a fun game to watch if it gets down to a one-possession game in the fourth quarter between those two going back and forth. Um, but the, the Lions coming off of a week's prepare for arguably the – bottom four team in the league, even as bad as we both think Matt Patricia is. And at that line, I think that's an easy game to bet and, and kind of just sit back and watch and see what happens. Yeah, you know you know, I take solace in the fact that if I lose a bet, someone gets fired, and this is one of those games. <laughs> if the Lions yeah, lose If you bet, lose money, I'll there's a good fired. chance that Mike Patricia loses his job. Yeah, so I'll feel better. But, yeah, there's definitely a premium. We're seeing a premium on these explosive offenses. Can you offenses. start betting the Jets then? I know, right? I know. I don't have the balls to do that. Of course, the spread was – we'll talk about that game. The spread was pretty big on that game. They're getting eight points, nine points against the Dolphins. Don't tell me you didn't look at that and go, the Dolphins are favored by almost double digits. And then think – This week? Yeah. The Jets have the Chargers this week. They do? Yeah. But they're getting ten. They're getting nine points. 
So whoever they're playing, they're getting almost double digits. And let, me seg- let me segue into this because this is the game that I like the most, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay, well, there you go. All right, so the Chargers sit here at one and four. Um, week three, Terod Taylor gets a- maliciously attacked by his medical staff, as we like to continue to bring up. <laughs> and Justin Herbert's been the starter ever since. In Herbert starts, he's completed almost 70% of his uh, uh, completions. He's also got a 3-1 to touchdown-interception ratio. That being said, the Chargers have lost their four games by less than a possession, including the overtime thriller this past week against the Saints, one of the premier teams in the league, and then overtime game against the Chiefs, another premier team. Whoa, hey, pause, pause, pause. Dude, they moved that game. I'm sorry? <laughs> Who who are the, who are the who do you think the Chargers the Chargers are on a bye this week? They moved it because of COVID. I did not even know that. Double double check me. Maybe I'm wrong, but I th- I thought that they moved it because of the COVID. Let me double check that. Yeah, I do. Yeah, because I'm staring at the spread. The spread is – I look at – it looks like the Miami Dolphins are favored by 9.5 against the New York Jets, and they're playing at 4 o'clock. And it looks like they made the Chargers going by because – Well, now I look like a complete idiot. Dude, it's I not have, your fault. It's not I your fault. Up, I have this up on the Action Network right now. And they have I know. I know. It's from like six or seven places. It's not It's not your fault. I was on – when I was – everybody, as everybody knows by now, I do my reports and my bets on Monday, hence the Florida news, right? Because the Florida news came out yesterday, I already put the money in. I already wrote down my notes. This is how it was going to be, right? The Dolphins game, the char- the Chargers Jets game was still on the board on Monday. Wow. Uh huh. It was still on the board on Monday, and then I was. But when you looked on like the CBS Sports app or the ESPN app or whatever, it does. There's there's no. It, it says the Jets versus the Dolphins. So then the next day they took it down and then they put up the Dolphins game. So it I was see. it was up all weekend long, all weekend I long. I just see that it's still posted. Maybe they're still taking bets. That's my. Are mistake. they? It's still posted. It's still posted. It looks like they're still taking bets for a future date. That's yep. what it is. Postponed. That I'll is- let I'll let it stand. Well, I'm still standing on the game no matter what the hell happens based off of all those reasons. Um, that being said, I'm going to take the Dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> The Dolphins, really? dude, as a Niners fan, I had to eat a lot of crow and bite my tongue until it bled watching the Dolphins go into Levi Stadium and play against the San Francisco 49ers in the way that it did. The Dolphins are like the Jaguars. We all thought they'd be a bottom four, bottom five team, but have come out and competed and competed in, in almost every game. I think the, the team likes to play for Ryan Fitzpatrick. They do. He's such they, a weird They dude. like to play for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And the, the head coach is good too. The Dolphins always exceed expectations. The, Brian the coaching is great right now. They have Byron Jones come back. Um, they're completely – they're dedicated to what they're doing, and they're not wavering. And it it yeah it looks really – they outcoached Kyle Shanahan and Ryan and uh, Robert yeah. saw last week. Hands down. They're, both those coaches are getting grilled for the performances and their lack of adjustments last week. Uh, the 49ers put out a practice squad cornerback, literally decided to start him an hour before the game. Ryan Fitzpatrick, three straight passes through bombs to Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, got two pass interferences and a touchdown. They never adjusted. The reason I'm bringing up any of this is because if anyone is famous for not making adjustments, it's Adam Gaze. And the only adjustment he feels free to ever make is benching his best players, whether it be Ryan Tannehill, Kenyon Drake, Devontae Parker when he was in Miami. He just cut Le'Veon Bell. And it's a it's a show of power to say, hey, you know, no one's bigger than the team, so on and so forth. And there's a lot of press coming out that this is our guy. We're going to stand by him. I want the Jets to implode, and I think they will in a matter of time. And I think the Dolphins being – I mean, it's a game in Miami. It's a conference game. Half points does not scare me. It actually went up from eight, eight and a half to nine and a half against the Jets. You know, I think you're right. The Dolphins' defense is also one of my favorite plays in fantasy football this week. I'm with you a hundred percent. But if you, if I tell you, let's say, let's take the Jets out of it. If I say, hey, dude, the Dolphins are favored by nine and a half today, 
you go, what? Like, that's your reaction. Like, who oh, the hell are they playing? Without right? a doubt. This, this, oh, is, yeah. this is more of let's bet against Adam Gaze, Matt Patricia, and those type of coaches than it is betting for a team, which typically goes against how I like to bet. But with everything that's kind of played out, and the way Sam Darnold looks, the way they're playing Joe Flacco, no one knows what the they're hell terrible. is going on. They're the, terrible. And – they are that bad that I don't think they're going to travel to South Beach, have a little bit of fun, show up Sunday morning to play the Dolphins, and not expect to, to get whooped by nine, nine and a half points. And I kind of expect this line to move back a little bit. Um, eight, eight and a half, I, because I think people are going to start settling on the 49ers a little bit. The, the, the 49ers lines have been high thus far. I think there's a Super Bowl hangover. And I think the Dolphins beating the, the 49ers like they did by – multiple touchdowns kind of set this line i see it kind of going towards sunday moving a point or more and if you can i would wait on it um but you know it opened at eight eight and a half why why would you think since sunday monday morning that it would move a point and a half i mean neither of these teams are prolific in any way i i i, I would agree with you that I, I if i'm taking putting money on anybody it's the dolphins but i disagree with the fact that i don't think it's going down if it's me, I'm putting money on the Dolphins now because that number could hit double digits by Sunday because the Jets are goddamn terrible. And to your Niners point, I actually think people are overreacting to the Niners. I was thinking about putting money on them this weekend. I didn't pull the trigger, but I was definitely looking at it because I think that they kind of threw Jimmy G in there. His ankle was still busted up. They're kind of like a last-ditch effort. I just think that they looked. everybody has a bad day. That's kind of what I thought from that. But, again, I didn't put money on that game. That's a conversation for another, for another day. But, dude. It would not surprise me if the Dolphins are double-digit favorites by the time this weekend rolls around. And, it, and once it hits that 10-point threshold, too, that's a key number. I really am going to do whatever I can that's to avoid that. That's a good point that. to make. I mean, if, if you think it's going to move at all, I mean, a half point north is a much, much, much more detrimental than a, and a point south. So Hell yeah. That, Hell that is yeah. actually a good point to make. I, I would kind of retract on saying it, you know, wait to bet. It's a good point. Yeah, because it could drop down you know, a point and a half and you could still, it's, it's still not, you're at, you're just sitting in dead number land. Um, but moving on, let's go to the second, my second best bet. Uh, the New York giants giving three points to Washington football team. I'm going to say the Redskins, the Washington football team. So it's at one and four, the New York giants are zero and five. It's hard to bet on the New York giants, especially now that they're the favorites, but they are at home. The Washington football team just got destroyed by their overrated Rams 30 to 10. And the Giants actually moved the ball quite well against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I know why you're looking at me, Brian, because the Dallas Cowboys defense is terrible. With that said, the Giants looked like they had an actual game plan, that they were actually moving the ball. Danny Dimes didn't look terrible, although everybody keeps hating on him. Uh, I feel like they are, are finding their identity, are finding their groove a little bit. Uh, this line did move from three and a half to four, so I do feel like I'm getting a good number at three. Uh, it looks like it is trending towards – the football, the Washington football team. So this might be a line you want to wait on. I didn't want to. I wanted to grab it right when I got the hook, took it away. So I, I put put on the three. Uh, and another thing too, Washington's not good. We we talk a lot about the Giants' struggles on offense, but their offense looks better than the Washington offense. They put they benched Dwayne Haskins. They put played Kyle Allen, who got sacked so many times he was hurt. Then they put Alex Smith in, who you I mean, it's so inspiring, but so depressing. I think he got sacked like five, six times. It was like, dude, why? They're terrible. They're terrible. That offensive line is terrible. It don't matter who they got back there. They can't do nothing. Now, with that said, the Giants' offensive line is so bad, Chase Young might win this game by himself. But I, I think that they have a better game plan and a better identity than Washington. So I'm going to go with the Giants here. I am the exact opposite way. Really? Is this yes. one of your best bets? This is one of my favorite games of the week. Wow. Shocked. So Daniel Jones, since uh, being a full-time starter – is league leader in turnovers per game. That's fair. He, he's bottom four in QBR. They've drafted three first-round offensive linemen in the last five years in New York. No, that's not true. That is not true. They signed they signed Nate Soldier at left tackle, who's been kind of a disappointment. They drafted Will Hernandez, who was a second-round pick out of Utah. Okay, that, that's, where, very that's good. where the error is then, is the Will Hernandez. Probably, probably they, that, that stat is probably true for a lineman drafted in the first three rounds, I would venture to okay. say. So I, I think without trying to just sit here and completely bash Daniel Jones, I think it has far more 
that I, I am much higher in the Rams than you are. And I, I am not. I, I, I am much higher. So, uh, Aaron Donald won Defensive Player of the Week with five sacks. Yeah, he's and, good. I didn't say he wasn't good. No, I, well, we all know he's good. I, I'm, the point <laughs> is, is I think the, the Rams are a better team than what you're giving them credit for. I, in my mind, you know, I, I have a bunch of reasons why, but uh, the the Redskins with the quarterback change, a lot of controversy going on that week. You know, reports of um, Haskins just sitting on the sidelines sulking, and are we going to trade him? And we then yeah, sick, sick quote unquote. He got sick. Yeah, we all get sick when we get benched. Get and then you know the the storyline of of watching Alex Smith run out there and have his wife you know, basically crying in the stands. It was great. I, I mean, it, it gave everyone chills. But if if for any reason any of the two quarterbacks other than Alex Smith play, I think the three, three and a half points, wherever you can get it against the Giants, is one of the safest things you could possibly bet on because Chase Young and the rest of that front seven, and I think even the secondary in Washington's better than what people believe, are going to just destroy Daniel Jones and probably go out there and get another four or five sacks and force two or three more turnovers. It'll be an ugly game, like a 17 to 10, but I I don't I don't hesitate to bet the WTF team over the other WTF team, New York Giants. Man, I, I just don't think I think Daniel Jones gets too much. I think he's he's in a, just a bad situation where he gets all the blame. But I think he's very good. I think that there's some balls that are very pretty. I think he's very athletic. I don't think they roll him out enough to be honest with you, especially with how bad that offensive line's been. Uh, but I definitely see your point. I mean, a big part of my handicap was that the the Giants moved the ball against the Dallas Cowboys, so that kind of loses some some credence there because how bad the Cowboys defense is. But I do. That's where we disagree. You think the Rams are better than I do. And I, I think the Cowboys are better than you do. And that's probably the difference in the handicap. Um, what's your? And you said that was your second best bet as well, correct? That's one of my other favorite games, yeah. So yeah. I'll go ahead and segue into your last one, and then I'll go into my last one. This one I was kind of, I'm kind of steering off of, but I already put the money on it. Um, and I, I feel I still feel good about it. But I feel I think it's I think I put the money on it too early. I'm taking the Baltimore Ravens, giving eight points to Philadelphia Eagles. I think that this spread is probably going to go lower. I think that's a the. Probably, that's probably going to go down since the Philadelphia Eagles look so competitive against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are very good. Um, but here's my handicap. The Baltimore Ravens looked like crap last week. Lamar Jackson looked like garbage last week. I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember the, the stats that he had. He's still ha- been held under 200 yards passing the last three games. He averages five yards per attempt. He's only gotten 46 yards rushing the last three games. And last week he was two rushes for three yards. So he's kind of been a non-factor. They still destroyed the Bengals 27-3. They've still won those games. The defense, the run game, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram, they're just keeping them in games to keep rolling. I think that it was a bad game for the Pittsburgh Steelers is why you saw the Philadelphia Eagles stick with them. And the Steelers, it's not like they didn't beat the spread. The Steelers still had the game intact. And Deontay Johnson was hurt and went out with an injury. So it's not like they had all their arsenal. So I, I think that too many people are giving the Philadelphia Eagles credit and too many people are expecting Travis Fulgham to be the answer, and he's just not. Um, I, I just I, I understand that the Philadelphia offense looked good, but if you take out the last two games, that Philadelphia offense is still garbage. So I tend to think that they're going to come and revert down to what they were during the first three weeks rather than what they've been the last two weeks, which is still not a great offense, just a very above – just a solid – Slightly above average offense. The Ravens, though, I think that they're going to go back to their norm, and Lamar Jackson is going to have another explosive day. But again, I don't even think at this point they even need him to be explosive. They're still killing it. What do you think? Uh, this is a game that I circled. Uh, Lamar Jackson hasn't looked like the, the video game player that he was last year. He's been very below average. I don't think that he's had to do those things in a manner to go out there and make those crazy plays, extend the plays. Right. I mean, who, who knows what they're telling them? Their running game has been sufficient. It's not been explosive. It's their defense. Their defense, I think, is the best defense in the league. And that is with – I don't hesitate to say that in any way, shape, or form. Their two bookend corners between Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters have been amazing this year. Mm-hmm. Marlon Humphrey's up for Defensive Player of the Year. And then, oh, yeah – at the end of the first round, they get the best inside linebacker in the entire draft in Patrick Queen, who had a sack, a forced fumble, two fumble recoveries, and a touchdown Arguably. this week. 
whether you want to argue it or not, I mean, well, Kenneth, Kenneth, Murray, Kenneth Murray has been pretty good this year. Kenneth so. Murray has been great too. Um, but he's produced and it's the defense that is going to yeah. carry them. The, the Eagles O-line is beat up. Travis Fulgham is an undrafted uh, wide receiver. That's this is his third team now, I think maybe second. Yeah. Team? He's been in the NFL for a couple of years out of old dominion. I think he had, he had a shot with the lions, had a shot with the Colts at one point. Uh, yeah, he's bounced around a little bit. You know, he's he's got size and he's got some ball skill if it gets close to him, but he's not going to go out there and win you the game. No. Um, and to think that he's going to match up against Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters in any way, shape, or form, I don't think that's the, the Eagles' offensive line, which has always been the, the best part of their team of the last five years, or one of the best part of their, their team, is is all kinds of beat up. And I, I just think it comes down to the, the D-line versus the O-line play and then the lack of any kind of targets for Carson Wentz versus – a crazy good cornerback core. I mean, we're not even mentioning other guys that come in there in spot play that just wreck for the Ravens. So th- that's a lot of points. Um, if the if the it offense is. for the Ravens actually clicks in any way, shape, or form, I think this is a safe bet just b- b- based off of defenses alone. Carson Wentz still looks bad. I mean, he had his best game in, I don't know, 10 weeks, 10, 10 starts. I, I, I Again, Carson Wentz is one of those guys – I. He 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 looked. I think he looked worse at the beginning of the year than Dan, Daniel Jones because Carson Wentz was missing guys nonstop. I think that he did have a pretty good game. I I think that he's had a the the game before this last game. The offense was productive. I think they scored like twenty eight points, but he didn't look good still. This game against the Steelers, I thought he did look efficient. So I don't want to bash on him too much. But regardless, kind of like what you said. I mean, we're we're in week six, and he's looked like butthole the last, the you know, the first four weeks of the season. So, who's to say he's not? He's not going to look like ass again, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that'll be a fun game to watch for sure. What's your third best bet? So, I'm going to stick with the trend of uh, riding a team that got me here, the Packers. Um, the Packers come off a of bye; they get to play the Tampa Bay Bucks, who struggled. Uh, last Thursday against the Chicago Bears, and I think they should have won that game easily. Dude. With the exception of two boneheaded plays in the last four minutes of the second quarter to put the Bears up by a point coming out of halftime. Not to mention, you know, Tom Brady arguably thinking he gets a fifth down. Dude, he looked rough, too. (laughs) He looked – when I say rough, I mean, like, he did not look like a guy I want on my team. Well, if you watch that face, one of the the funniest clips I've seen of any game thus far, it's it's right at the end of the second quarter, and um, I can't remember who – what side Khalil Mack came off, but he came off, I mean, clean. He's there against Donovan Smith. It was Donovan Smith, yes. And Brady gets hit, and he rolls over, and he turns around, and he sees this Khalil Mack laying, and he looks at him like, you again. Like, you could see the frustration. Like, he wanted to see anyone else than Khalil Mack. And, and Donovan Smith on that same play, it is Donovan Smith I'm looking at right now, he is so embarrassed, and he knows that he messed up. Rather than go back and help his quarterback up, he's walking away like a dog that took a dump on the carpet because he doesn't want to get yelled at because that whole team was getting destroyed by Brady with all that pressure that he was under the entire time. Donovan Smith got beat like a drum, and he gets beat like a drum. If he's playing a good defensive end, like a Garrett level, my, uh, Khalil Mack level, Chase Young level, he gets beat like a drum fairly often. But, dude, Tom Brady holds on to the ball forever. Yes. Forever. There were there were times where I was I was like, dude, when is he going to throw it? Because he held on to the ball forever, and then he would get up and he would yell us off the line. Now, again, some of the – he just I, I don't know what happened. He is not playing with the Patriots anymore. That Buccaneers off the line ain't bad. Ali Marpet's great. Uh, you know they got they got some strength on the interior. Donovan Smith is really the weakest link, and he's not. I mean he he he's not Bobby Hart, but I mean yeah. you know uh, he, he holds on to the ball forever. He holds on to the ball forever, and he does not that that zip has kind of faded a little bit. It's faded a lot, but re- regardless, I, I was last week was completely embarrassing. But so who are you going with it this week? You're going so, with it again? Back to back to my point. I'm taking the Packers again. I've taken the Packers every week thus far. They've uh they're four and oh they've covered the spread every week. They've got a full bye week to prepare for what is the Bucks. Yes, the Bucks played a Thursday night game so they have almost the same amount of time. Um, but, but you have Aaron Rodgers who I think is arguably the hottest 
quarterback in the league, and that's you know with other guys like Russell Wilson doing what they're doing. I mean, he's got a fine jawline, but I don't really know what that has to do with anything. Oh man, did you see him on the Pat McAfee? Uh, so he's on Pat McAfee every Tuesday now. I've I've noticed that. And uh, a couple weeks ago, Pat McAfee asked him a question. He goes, "Hey, have you ever tried to throw the ball your furthest distance? If not, what do you think it would be?" Because they're talking about Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes going back and forth, and you're talking about throwing 75, 80 yards. And Aaron Rodgers, stone faced, stone cold killer that he is, he says, ah, "I've never really tried to do it, but if I had to guess." It would be somewhere between 68 and 70 yards. Oh, my God. <laughs> what, a, what an amazing individual. It's so amazing that he's got 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's completing 70% of his passes. Everyone thought that last year or the year before he had fallen off. He's never been a guy that's going to go up and give you 40 touchdowns, 50 touchdowns year in, year out. Well, he but could be if they drafted a goddamn wide receiver. Yeah. Don't get me started on that. But what he has been is the most highly efficient quarterback that I have seen, and he's got more talent oozing out of his now 35, 30, actually 37-year-old body, that you give him two weeks to prepare for a Bucks team that looked bad, and the strength of the Packers is their two, so the Smiths and Smiths on the outside. I think the Packers are built a lot like the Bears in the in the sense of their defense as far as edge playoff, the, the rush, their safeties, their secondary. Jair Alexander and uh, Mike Evans will be fun to watch. I, I just think the Packers are a team built perfectly for the Bucks, and they're just so damn hot. They're my best team in the NFC right now. I don't have the balls to take that bet. I've seen, I've heard, I, I listen to a lot of, I listen to a lot of sharps who have sided with you where they're taking the Green Bay Packers for the exact reasons that you've said. The Buccaneers just didn't look good. They looked utterly embarrassing, and they're thinking that that's going to carry over to Week Two. I, I can see that. That's a great handicap. I just, I don't have the balls to do it. It's also hard for me to believe that the Buccaneers are going to look like that big of shit two weeks in a row. Uh, but again, a lot of people agree with you on that front. So that's where that sits. Yeah. I mean, the Packers are number one offense in the league. I mean, they, when I say they are efficient and they're cooking, yeah. they're, they are on For sure. fire. For and sure. the, and Devontae Adams is back. He's supposed to be back. He's supposed and, to be ready to yeah, that's another point. Devontae Adams is back. You know, yeah. you, the last time we watched the Packers play football, Robert Tanyan, who was a fo- uh, tight end that none of us heard of, yeah. Uh, prior to that game, had three touchdowns. I mean, yeah. Rodgers, A-Rod, has a, he just does it with whoever's out there. And we're, yeah. we're not even mentioning guys like Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams that have also played well. You know, they've got the best left tackle in the league, I think, um, in Bakhtiari. I mean, it, it's set up for the Packers to go out there and put up 30 points every week in my eyes. I can see that. Like I said, it's, it's really hard to to find a fault in that handicap. Uh, let's move. We got one. We got one listener question. Then we'll go ahead. and We'll shut it down. Uh, we got a question from one of our listeners, Garrett. Uh, he wants he wants some fantasy advice. He said he has gotten an offer where someone wants Michael Thomas and Adrian Peterson, and he would receive in return George Kittle and James White. Now, I am leaning towards without knowing his roster, any other variables, just knowing those four players. I would lean towards George Kittle and James White. George Kittle is an animal. James White is getting work back in the rotation. He's likely the main dog in New England. He's clearly better than Adrian Peterson at this point, fantasy-wise. And Michael Thomas has got some issues in New Orleans. So I would be on the Kittle-James White side. What do you say? Do we know if it's PPR? I have no idea. This is what he texted. I didn't have any time to text him any other details before the show. He texted me this literally as I said – Welcome to the BrownsWire.com, the BrownsWire podcast. So my first thing is this. When it comes to fantasy football, you never make the trade unless you get the best player out of the trade. Depth really doesn't do you much. You can only start seven guys plus your defense and kicker in standard leagues anyways. Okay. Well, then the best player is Michael Thomas. Okay. So I'm glad you brought that up. So in 2019, the highest scoring tight end was Travis Kelsey. Yeah. In, in a – I believe I'm looking at standard here. <sighs> He scored 254 fantasy points. Okay. He's 30 ahead of second place George Kittle. When you get down to tight end six, he's got 60 more points than um, Austin Hooper. The top eight wide receivers all outscored the number one tight end, with Michael Thomas being number one at almost 130 points more 
than George Kittle or Travis Kelsey in this scenario. Okay. I would I would always much rather have the higher scoring wide receiver one than the highest scoring potentially tight end one for that simple reason. Michael Thomas is easily the best player in this scenario. And we've seen in the last couple of weeks that without Michael Thomas, that, that team definitely struggles. I mean, hell, right now, Alvin Kamara is the highest rated wide receiver in at PFF from the running back position. He would be wide receiver one rated from PFF. So you get Michael Thomas back in there to run a couple simple slants like uh, Michael Jenkins or who was it? Gardner Johnson that said it? Call him the slant king, and that's why the fight, the fight started. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it, it came out like I believe it was Michael Jenkins, and then it turned out to be Gardner Johnson said, you know, you're just the slant king. We don't need you or something to that effect. Damn, dude. With that being said, with Drew Brees only throwing slants and five yards at a time, you need Michael Thomas. Um, I would much rather have Michael Thomas in this scenario. You just got done talking about how they rushed Jimmy G out there. I don't think Jimmy G stepped on his front foot to, to make a throw the entire time through two interceptions, less than 40% completion percentage. He looked bad. Yeah. I mean, everything as far as rumors coming out of San Francisco is if, if he doesn't turn it around, he's going to be gone anyways. So, And you have an offensive that just as great as Kyle Shanahan is, doesn't look good. The other two guys, who was it, James White and who? Adrian Peterson. I would rather have Adrian Peterson, who looks like he's found the fountain of youth on a team with Michael Patricia that would rather go out there and lean on one guy than James White. That's a stable of New England running backs, and Damian Harris coming back and looking good. Plus, James White just had a horrific tragedy. You don't know at any one point in time if he could just say, hey, I, I need a leave of absence, which where he's been last week was his first game, rightfully so. Um, in this scenario, I don't even blink. I keep Adrian Peterson and Michael Thomas. Damn. Well, you make a good argument. It's hard to argue against that. Like I said, I I lean with the Kittle, but maybe I'm wrong. I could definitely see so, your argument being much stronger than mine, for sure. Would you, would you rather have Julian Edelman or George Kittle? George Kittle. Last year, Julian Edelman outscored George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. As, ah. as, as wide receiver seven. Now, I granted... Tom Brady's not there. It's a different scenario, whatever the case is. The top seven or eight wide receivers are going to always outscore the top tight end. And there's only four or five tight ends that are really legitimate that you're just going to keep in there and and just not even blink every week except for the bye week anyways. You can go out there and stream and try and get a tight end with 40 yards and a touchdown. That's just a position I tend to punt on. Mm. All right. Well, Gary, you'll have to let us know what you do. Uh, again, this was the Browns Wire podcast. And we love listener questions. I love I love getting them. I was excited when I got it. Ryan, I know you were excited to talk about it, and you were pretty excited when we got it as well. We've had two people win Austin Hooper autographs, so we're pretty excited about that as well. Like, share, give us a five-star review. Let me know about it. You'll get an Austin Hooper autograph too. Um, follow us on Twitter, Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter, at JoshKeatley16. Ryan, tell them about yourself. Uh, well, I am six foot one. You can swipe right between <laughs> Uh, you can find me at I am Ryan Keith on Twitter. Um, that's all you need to know. Next week we're gonna try to talk about the Spring League, baby. You're gonna try and talk talk. Oh, about dude, I am pumped, bro. JT Barrett, you know, uh, Brown Browns Wire alum Quad Smith is gonna be playing for the Blues for the Deep Blues. Uh, there's like a shark logo on the Spring League, so I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch it. It kicks off on Fox. Him, uh, JT. I think JT Barrett squares off against Zach Member on the 24th. So. We'll be talking about that next week, whether Ryan likes it or not. This was the Browns Wire Podcast. Thank you.
When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget. Guaranteed to be hot and crispy. Or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut skin on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Try them today. Only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's, taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget. Guaranteed to be hot and crispy. Or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut skin on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Try them today. Only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's. Taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company.